the kids present Kudos Kirby, a celebration of the journey of Jack Kirby's lesser known works. And here is your host, Angus. Welcome to Kudos Kirby, a comic's journey into Jack Kirby's lesser-known works. I'm Angus, and will be your guide through the monthly expedition to uncover those hidden gems from the King of Comics' over 20,000 comic book pages. We hope you enjoy this latest adventure in the journey. Time's running out for the Challengers of the Unknown. Ace Morgan, Daredevil Test Pilot. Professor Mark Haley, Master Scientist and Scuba Expert. Red Ryan, famed adventurer and mountain climber. Rocky Davis, World Champion Triathlete. Brains, brawn, skill, and guts. They are the Challengers of the Unknown. Challengers of the Unknown! What unearthly menace plunged down with the crashed spaceship? What was the awesome unknown thing that took to wing, snorting fire? And what was that lurked in the murkiness of the cavern and the other thing that slithered into the sea? Sworn to tread the path which all men fear, the daredevil challengers of the unknown cross the threshold of the new adventure when they seek out the beasts from Planet Nine. Challengers of the unknown! What incredible instruments of science were these that gave men power to peer through stone and steel, to freeze with fire, and to walk through solid walls? Only the Challengers of the Unknown dared probe such forbidding mysteries, yet even the fearless foursome seemed doomed to fall victim to the man who ruled the Isle of No Return. And thus begins the two stories from this Challengers of the Unknown, Volume 1, Issue, Number 7, from May 1959. Our writer is Ed Heron and Jack Kirby, penciler Jack Kirby, inker Wally Wood, and editor for the book Jack Schiff. In our first story, The Beast from Planet Nine, an explorer calls on the challengers of the unknown to help him subdue three alien creatures. There's a rather large, kind of armadillo-like creature, almost, oh, centipedish too. It's really cool hybrid creature. A giant jellyfish kind of creature, very aquatic, and a giant fire-breathing bird. Using their skills and tools at their disposal, the challengers manage to capture each one. After all three creatures are captured, aliens from planet number nine, otherwise known as Pluto, arrive and apologize for the creatures being set loose on Earth and thank the challengers for recapturing the monsters for them before leaving Earth. And this was a crashed ship that was carrying these monsters to a Pluto zoo, for lack of a better term, or some sort of animal sanctuary there on Pluto. This was a very, very fun read. 
the renderings of the monsters really played into Jack Kirby's strengths. I absolutely loved this. Yeah, the snout and everything might look like an armadillo, but because it could roll up, I know that that is characteristic of an armadillo when, when they do that, but it almost had a centipedish kind of look to it too. It was really cool how it was rendered. It definitely looked like some sort of amphibian type of creature in some ways also. It was really, really cool. It was lizard-like, I should say. The giant jellyfish had all of the wonderful things that you would expect out of an aquatic creature. These nice little tentacles coming out and enveloping itself at one point in the book. It just completely takes down this junk of a, of a ship of a wreck. It was really, really challenging to try to capture that one. And then the fire-breathing bird was pretty much based off of what you would expect a phoenix-like creature to look like. Now, the whole bird itself didn't turn into fire, but it breathed fire, and that was also quite challenging for our heroes to subdue. The illustrations in here were a lot of fun. I liked them a lot, particularly any time that Jack was able to lean into his monster roots and he really does monsters well. By this time also, the challengers looked very mature in their level of detail. This would be the gold standards rolling into the Silver Age of Comics, and what we'd eventually see on the pages of Marvel in the Fantastic Four, the birth of the X-Men, and the like. So the Kirby standard is well on display here as it relates to the challengers, as it relates to the level of detail in the scenery, as it relates to how really well done these giant monsters were. I also like the whimsical Plutonians at the end of this story who arrive. They're quite impish in, in how they look. I almost thought to a degree that they looked a little bit like the Dobby character, the house elf from the Harry Potter series, but taller. They were a lot of fun. I truly enjoyed that. And of course, their ship taking off at the end, taking back their monsters with them. That was a nice little touch too. Then we turned our attention to the Isle of No Return, which that's what the cover of this particular issue is based off of, where it is very arresting to see the challengers caught in what appears to be like a butterfly net on the cover of this issue, this number seven issue from May of 1959, as this big hand is coming down with this butterfly net and scooping up the challengers. In this one, you would not only have... Professor Haley, Rocky Davis, Red Ryan, and Ace Morgan. But we would also have the return of June Robbins, the honorary fifth challenger. In this scenario, we have a criminal scientist, Anton Zammer, who uses inventions stolen from the late Professor Macon to commit crimes. The challengers try to stop him. And what they're trying to do initially is to stop him from committing robberies. He is utilizing a technology that allows him to walk through walls, essentially go into vaults, clean out these vaults, take money and valuables, and then get off scot-free. The challengers, as they're trying to stop him, get shrunk down into a miniature size. Now, again, this is something that Jack Kirby does extremely well, too. We've seen these in the Challenger series when Jack is able to shrink characters, kind of do his Honey, I Shrunk the Kids routine to the Challengers. 
these stories come off really well because normal creatures come off looking like monsters. They're oversized. You have these smaller challengers and also creates a cool dynamic with which the challengers now have to solve not only getting out from having been miniaturized, but then apprehending ultimately the person who has shrunk them down to size. Now, when this happens, they are carted off to the scientist's base. The challengers reach out to June Robbins, and June is not shrunk. She is actually out of the fray as the challengers are shrunk down to size. They are rescued by June. And as they're being rescued, they're able to stop Zammer and deactivate Macon's devices by using Macon's greatest and final invention. It was actually a device designed to disable the tech that he had made. What's really interesting about the dialogue back and forth in this comic is They initially tell June when they bring her into the fray, hey, you're there to observe and kind of help us out and think some things through. If this would get kind of nasty, to stay out of the fray because we we don't want you to get hurt. Kind of being protective older brothers, if you will, to June. Well, as fate would have it, the tables get turned. It's June who comes to their rescue. And in essence, the challengers themselves were rendered pretty neutralized. You had Professor Haley, Rocky, Red, and Ace in their miniature form really being these captive prisoners of Anton Zammer. And this I really enjoyed because, again, it's another forward-thinking twist that Jack Kirby did in 1959. He turned June Robbins into the hero. He made the challengers the victims that needed to be saved. It was a refreshing and wonderful swappage of who's rescuing who here and really shows June Robbins' medal as being that honorary fifth member of the Challengers. The artwork in this story, The Isle of No Return, is really fun. Again, with having the Challengers shrunken down, really made for a menacing scene as the challengers were trying to escape. And what's really funny is when June comes to rescue them, here is big June Robbins, who looks almost like an Amazon, this huge woman. And here are these little challengers (laughs) that she could literally hold in the palm of her hand. All in all, a really fun work. The art, the storytelling, all playing to Jack's strengths. He is in full stride here with regard to challengers, and I'm really saddened that this is the second to last book before we're done with our series for the year. And this has really been a fun ride to see the evolution of the series, how there are so many elements that would go on to be inspiration or springboards for Jack to get those creative juices flowing after he will have left DC and go full bore into his Marvel decade and just completely change comics forever with that Silver Age, that Marvel Age run. Well, kids, 
We would love to hear from you once you have read Challengers of the Unknown, Volume 1, Number 7. Please leave us a message via the Anchor app or send us an email at kirbyskidspodcast at gmail.com. Kudos, Kirby!